the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, in 1 Kings 19, verses 11 and 12, it says, Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. He's talking to Elijah. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. Wouldn't you like to be on the mountain and see the Lord pass by? And thinking about the Lord passing by, just the awesomeness of God right before your eyes, you can imagine it would be like a, a windstorm. Probably rake all the trees off the mountain, you know, as God passes by. But God passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain, and it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, well, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And guess where the Lord was? Now, am I saying, is this saying that God can't be in the fire? God can't be in the windstorm? God can't be in the earthquake? No, He can be in those for sure. But see, this is a servant of God. And He's trying to reveal Himself. And he speaks to his servants a lot of times, just in a gentle whisper. In fact, we were at a small group leadership meeting this past Thursday, and Miss Brenda was there, and Miss Brenda told us a little testimony. And I asked, could I share it today? She said, oh, sure. She said that when she had her Bible study at her house recently, they were going to begin, the first meeting was going to be on a Saturday, so she got up early and began to cook a breakfast. She was going to surprise everybody with a big breakfast. She said she was mixing up the pancakes. And as she was mixing them up, she mixed them up like she always does, about to throw them on the griddle. And this gentle whisper inside her soul says, put vanilla in the pancakes. She said, I don't even know. Why would you put vanilla in pancakes? I've never heard of that. She was about to put it on the grill and again, put vanilla in the pancakes. Well, what did Miss Brenda do? She's someone who hears from the Lord, right? She's, she doesn't follow the voice of a stranger. She's someone who is in tune with the voice of God because she listens to Him. She makes time to hear from God every day. So she recognized the gentle whisper and she put vanilla in the pancakes. Why is this important? <laughs> if you missed that, she said, it makes them better. <laughs> so today's message, I'll tell you a little bit later what why I told that story, is entitled, Vanilla in Your Pancakes. 
That's the title of today's me. You're filling out vanilla in your pancakes. Hmm. I'm going to ask you a few questions before we get started. Y'all all right? If I ask you a few questions, of, then I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to comment. I don't want you, this is just between you and God. These are just some questions to kind of identify where you are in your relationship with God. Sometimes you're really close and you can answer these questions good. Sometimes you slip back. Sometimes you don't even know what, what's he talking about. <laughs> All right, so the first question is, how often does Jesus cross your mind? Now, I know he's crossing your mind here today. You can say, oh, I'm doing good today. Oh, it's a Sunday. You're at church. But I'm talking about on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, when you're at work. How often does Jesus cross your mind? That's question number one. Question number two, are you more likely to worry about something or pray about something? I mean, opportunity to worry comes to us all, right? tribulations in this world you're gonna have opportunity to worry every day but are you more likely to worry or to pray number three if you lost everything say you were like job poor fella lost his family his crops his everything he owned his health all at once if you lost everything that you have do you think jesus would be enough if it was just you and him down here and everything that you had planned for everything that you had worked for was gone in the heart of hearts do you think Jesus would be enough or would there just be nothing left to, to work for number four who in your life are you willing to sacrifice for M many of us would say well my children you know I, I give my my resources to them, my time, my money. Um, I, I help my elderly parents. I, I'm willing to sacrifice. Would Jesus be on the list of people that you're willing to sacrifice for? These are pretty good questions, aren't they? And number five, is coming to church, is praying, is reading the Bible, was worship, for example, when we dragged it on and on and you were like, oh, why don't they just quit? What? Was that awkward to you? Are the things of God awkward to you? So, you know, those are just things I'm trying to get you thinking. I think for each and every one of us, that kind of hit, so those questions hit hard in an area. I mean, I'm a pastor and some of them things like, you know, I need to tighten that up a little bit, you know, my faith in this area or my understanding. I need to get closer to Jesus in my everyday life. Say everyday life. How would your answers change to those five questions if you were to begin to seek Jesus and, and look for Him in the, the details of your everyday life? Even in the seemingly small and insignificant things like doing the laundry or mowing the yard or taking dropping the kids off at camp or whatever. What if you begin to, to see Jesus in those things? Some of us are focused on getting rich or getting powerful and important or famous. You know, we've got these plans. Maybe God gave you a vision, and that's a good thing. You know, the church has a vision, places that we're going. And we're so focused on those things, but we got to be careful that we don't miss God on the journey to those things. And what about if we never attain the, 
the rich or the famous or the important things that we want to be. What if we never attain that? Does that mean that we're less than? Does that mean that we're not important in God's sight? You know, we look on Facebook and we got 450 friends and they're all posting their highlight reels. Most people on there only post the thing that's going to make them look good. You know, you got a few people that post all kind of stuff. We pray for them. <laughs> you know, they put all their business on there. But most people, that's, that's the ones you delete, right? But most people are posting their highlight reels of their life, the good things. And so you're sitting there and you're saying, how are all these people so successful? How are all these people so good looking? Look at their kids. They seem to mind all these things. Their kid graduated with A's, you know. My kid, well, and so you're looking at their highlight reel and you're comparing your everyday life to their highlights. And so you begin to get down on yourself. And you begin to despise just small progress that you're making every day. Am I... Am I helping anybody? Or am I? Am I? Is this? Are you feel that way? We don't think our day to day progress counts for much. I used to kind of live like that. I was only fulfilled. I only felt good on the days that I could post something. Not literally. I don't never post nothing except for church stuff. But, but. The days that I could tell somebody, hey, I accomplished this. I made, I did this in my life. And, and those were the times I was fulfilled. Those were the times I was joyous. But there's big gaps in between making those accomplishments in your life. There's progress to be made before productivity is made. Right? How do we find joy in those times? Is life only supposed to be a roller coaster ride? We want the spectacular, but God mostly just wants our sanctification. And if you don't know what sanctification means, it just means the process that God, once you become a Christian, He begins to mold you into the image of Jesus. It's a process, it's a day by day design on purpose. God lives in the now. We're trying to work our way to God, but He's in the now. Some of us, we think we can only get to God when we can do something that impresses Him. But He's with you now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now faith. Do you have now faith? We need more now faith in our life. Not faith for the future. We need right now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you don't have now faith, you're not going to get the, the things that you're hoping for. In the wilderness, I don't know. I'm just, let me stop for a minute. I'm, I feel like we've been plowing ever since we got to worship this morning. You felt like that, Pat? It looks like some heaviness or something. I don't know what's going on. Something's hindering us this morning. I feel like I'm preaching good and ain't nobody listening. And Are y'all just like, yeah, get it over with so we can go? Well, let's break something loose. Come on, let's pray for a minute. Just bow your head and pray. Somebody pray for me. Somebody pray for this service. Somebody pray to break off whatever the devil's trying to distract us with right now. God's trying to get something to us. Help us, Jesus. We're not just wasting time. We're not going through the motions here. 
This is supposed to be life changing. God, whatever it is, whatever hindering spirits is stopping us, not just today, but as a church, anything that's coming against us, we join our faith, now faith, now faith. We join our now faith right now to believe that it is broken. Every assignment of the evil one is broken against this church in Jesus' name. And every voice that rises up to condemn us, let it be silenced in Jesus' name. Your will be done, Father. Your will be done. Amen. God gave them manna in the wilderness. Manna means what is it? Because when it came flying down from in there, what is that? They had never seen... Frosted flakes don't come down from heaven on a typical day, right? Frosted flakes were coming down from heaven and they were scooping it up and God told them to get just enough for today. But they ate their fill and they was putting it in jars and they was saving it up and they was putting it in the back of their tent and everything because they were scared God wouldn't provide tomorrow. They didn't have now faith. They figured they had to do something to provide tomorrow. And when they woke up the next morning, all that manna had turned to worms and maggots. And God was teaching them, look, I will, be, I will rain down again what you need tomorrow. But you've got to trust me in this. See, faith, what does the Lord's Prayer say? Give us today our daily bread. It doesn't go way out in the future. It's okay to pray that we're going to reach our vision and all those things, but we got to pray this out daily. We got to believe God each step of the way in our lives to our vision, to our goal, to our dreams. And we we don't just celebrate when we when we get there. We've got to live life on the journey. We've got to have joy, joy of the Lord is our strength to get to our destination. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This day. Today, now kind of faith. Today our kids are so spoiled. Oh my goodness. It's not just the kids. But you know, I asked my kids not long ago, I said, y'all want to go bowling? I'm thinking I'm fixing to be a super dad. I'm going to take my kids bowling. They looked at me and said, bowling's boring. I said, what? I only got to go bowling maybe one or two times my whole growing up years. I mean, that, that wasn't, it was a big deal for us to get to go bowling. It was awesome. And they're like, well, no, they don't even want to go. They'd rather sit at home and swipe than go bowling. What's wrong with them? <laughs> I remember I was probably about 13 or 14. One of my friends, his mom brought home some Captain D's. They had just built that Captain D's over there on uh, State Line Road. And I had never ate no bat battered fish like that. She gave me a piece, man. I was like, I didn't know food could taste so good, you know. At my house, we was doing good if Mama cut up some hot dogs to put in our macaroni and cheese. 
Anyway, for two weeks, I was on mama. Mama, you got to take me to Captain D's. You got to get me some of that fish. Mama, mama. So, you know, it took about two weeks for us, her to paycheck to come in, and she would take us. She would do, mama's doing all she can now. Mama would take us out to eat. So we was going to go to Captain D's. So we got in line at Captain D's, was in the drive-thru. She ordered some fish, and I was back in the back salivating. Yeah, <laughs> going to get this fish, you know. And we waiting, and we waiting. We waiting. Now, Mama don't wait, you understand? Mama don't wait. If Mama got to wait five minutes, she gone. Well, long about six minutes, Mama says, forget this. She honks the horn, slams on the gas, and rip, rips out of there and tells them they're number one on the way out the, the gate. And I'm like, Mama, I ain't going to get no fish. I think things are different today than they used to be. See, I grew up in Shaw, Mississippi, like, like she said, like Callan said, like nobody. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in Shaw, Mississippi, and till I was eight years old, we lived in a little tiny house in the middle of a cotton field. And my brother, he's six years younger, so he wasn't no account to me in those first eight years, you know? And I was basically by myself growing up in the middle of a cotton field. And one of my earliest memories, and I kid you not, is sitting down in the middle of the cotton field being so bored, I looked at a dirt clod and I thought to myself, I wonder what that tastes like. <laughs> I took that dirt clod and I took a bite out of it. I'm not kidding. Your life ain't got boring, kids, until you took a bite out of the dirt clod. Talking about don't want to go bowling. I'm going to cut up some weenies in your dirt clod tonight. See how you like that. <laughs> but i tell you what. We got a, a generation just swiping their life away. And it ain't just the kids. We got a culture filled with dopamine and adrenaline junkies. You know what those are? Those little chemicals that are released when you see something you like on Facebook when you're swiping through. And you got all these extreme sports. People about to kill. They are killing themselves left and right because they're trying to seek adrenaline. They didn't work themselves up. So just jumping the Grand Canyon ain't enough anymore. You know, they keep pushing the limits to everything. But we swipe right past our relationship with God. Some of you used to have a prayer time, but now Facebook has just took that over. Instagram, I wanted to pray, but it's so much, I'm getting these little dopamine, these releases every time I, somebody, I see somebody like my post or something. And we're, we're just trading in the meaningless things for our relationship with God. Church is too boring. I don't want to go to church. And there's no faithfulness at church. Have you noticed when when us more senior people, when when we were growing up, at least there was we felt an obligation to go to church. We if we weren't being faithful, we uh we knew we were being rebellious. But today they got no sense of that. They they feel they look at you crazy like you tell them they are to be in church. And then a lot of Christians. They just come to church when they feel like it. And most of the time, 
There's long gaps in between, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. I told you last week about my mom and how she took us to Florida. Remember doing 90 mile an hour with the windows rolled down, you know? And then a lot of things happened and stuff. And But that's the way we live our lives. we got to get there quick. We're not stopping for the bathroom. <laughs> We're going to get there quick. But as I've gotten older, and I've learned what matters, and I have a relationship with Jesus, I've learned to enjoy the car ride to Florida. In fact, that's one of my favorite parts now. I've got my kids trapped in the car with me for 11 hours. they got to listen to me, you know. they got to speak to me at some point. If you can get them off the phone, you know, swiping. But you, but you get to watch the scenery. You get to relax. As you get older, you, those things, you know, hold more allure to you. But there's mountaintop and there's valleys in this journey called life. There's the times when you're sitting on the mountaintop and you think, this is it. This is where I'm going to stay. But life doesn't let you stay on the mountaintop. You can't survive on the mountaintop. The wind's blowing too hard. It gets too cold at night. You know, It's great when you get there, but you, you're going to go back down in the valley. And then you're going to climb another mountaintop. So you can't just pick where you're going to be happy. You've got to learn to be with Jesus every moment of the journey so that the whole journey brings you joy and peace. And not some fake dopamine rush from some, watching somebody else's life on a little screen, but living your own life. Now, God has showed me a lot of things since I've been following Him because I follow Him with my whole heart. I try to. And one of the things that I found that 10 minutes was just being quiet and listening for that gentle whisper can save you 10 years of misery and earth, wind, and fire. Not the group, but the earthquakes and the wind and the fire. And the, I mean, we can avoid so many of the calamities that happen in our life. We can avoid the drudgery. You feel like you're not moving anywhere. Nothing in life is changing because you're not listening to the voice of God. You've just got your concentration on whatever, whatever thing that the devil dangles out in front of you. And you've lost sight of Jesus. What does the Bible say? Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He wrote the story of your life. And you're not going to find your life because, unless you're, you understand your life is hid with God in Christ Jesus. Your life is in Him. He wrote the story. He wants to walk it out with you. We look for the sensational, but God looks for the faithful. Did you hear me? We look for sensational, but God just wants us to be faithful. There's a lady named Christy Britton. She said, we value productivity, but are often underwhelmed with progress. But God values productivity and progress. God's sanctifying work of transforming us into His perfect image happens by degrees. But it's no less miraculous. Sanctification is often small, mundane, and untweetable. Nevertheless, it is a miracle, and we should praise the Lord for it. 
We must trust Him to make His, His name great in our smallness. The gap between our vision and our reality is not to be despised. God doesn't look at small things disapprovingly. God is in your situation now. He's there with you now. When you start to see God in the small things, then I got a feeling there's a good chance you'll start to see Him make more big things happen. I think I'm preaching ahead of y'all or something. It's like a time delay today or something. Are y'all you, are you listening? Am I preaching too fast? All right. Yeah. Start to see God in the small things. Then you'll start to see God in more bigger things. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 23, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount. See, we all, we all want to just jump up from the small amount to the large amount. I want to be faithful in the large amount, but if you ain't faithful in the small amount, you'll never be faithful in the large amount. You'll never get to the large amount. So now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You have to be faithful in the little. You have to recognize God and listen to His small, gentle voice in the little if you're ever going to get to the big. Or you'll just stay little. And I'm going to share a scripture with you that's really a life-changing scripture. Really. There's certain scriptures that if you would meditate on this, there's no doubt your life would change drastically. And it's found in Colossians 3.23. We're studying the book of Colossians on Wednesday nights, by the way, if you hadn't, hadn't been coming on Wednesdays. It says, work willingly at whatever you do. As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Everything you do, do as if, if unto the Lord. Well, we can just skip right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, really. Really. Some of us are like, well, I ain't working for that boss. I don't like him. This job don't pay me enough, so I ain't going to work hard here. Like we're working to people. Or we only work when the boss comes in or... And the same way with other situations. You know, relationships, people we kind of like, well, we're not going to treat them good. <laughs> we just, by varying degrees, we give, we, give, we give of ourselves, like we give ourselves to Him. If we give ourselves to Him, then we'll, we'll have more to give to other people and to every situation in our life. When we begin to see everything that we do, that God is there, He is watching, He's with you and will empower you to have all the strength and power you need, to all the love that you need, you can give it to everybody. You ain't got to dole it out. You ain't got to piece apart your life. You ain't got to spend most of your life trying to avoid work. That's some people's biggest desire in life. I wish I had a job. I didn't do nothing. I've had a job. I didn't do nothing. It was miserable. And everybody in the, the whole department was miserable. All they could talk about is how terrible the boss was. Just more idle time for them to ramp up a bunch of things against the, the leadership. But I've worked in places where we was really getting after it. And I tell you what, there was camaraderie. There was joy. 
And I tell you, if we would learn to do everything that we do as if unto the Lord and understand that He is there watching and He's keeping records of the small things that you do when nobody else sees, it would radically change the way you see your relationships and your jobs and your activities and your normal life. It would, it would cease the mundane. Psalms 118.24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. Your life is now. It's not when you get there. Wherever, where, wherever there is to you. When you heighten your recognition and awareness of God in your everyday life, you put an end to the mundane. And I looked up the word mundane, and I'm not going to give you the definition of it. I'm going to give you the synonyms to mundane, and I think it will pretty much define it for you. And there's a lot of them. I couldn't believe it. Mundane means the same as humdrum, dull, boring, like bowling, <laughs> tedious, monotonous, tiresome, wearisome, unexciting, uninterested, uneventful. That sounds like my week. Unremarkable, repetitive, routine, ordinary, everyday, run-of-the-mill, commonplace, usual, regular, normal. Your life does not have to be mundane. When you understand that everything you do is up unto the Lord, it brings an importance to everything you do. Simple everyday chores, simple everyday interactions with other people begin to take a new life. You know your kids, they're growing up now. Your, your parents, they're getting older now. And we're putting everything off to that, that day. We're looking forward in the future when, they, when I get some money, then me and the kids are going to go on vacation. But your kids need some time from you now. Your parents, now. Can't look at my mom when I say that. In the scope of eternity, every second that we have in this life is of utmost importance. If we, if, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we see a big picture as well as the small picture. We're well-rounded. When, when we see things from a heavenly perspective and we realize 10 billion years from now, the things that I did in this 80 years that I lived here, 90 years, 100 years on this earth, affected 80 billion years from now, we would say, man, if I could go back. I wonder how many people are in heaven saying, oh, if I could go back, man. My rewards in heaven would be so much greater. If, I, if we understood that every second is of the utmost importance down here, and not just for our rewards in heaven, but for the people that will be with us in heaven, for goodness sakes. The lives that we could affect and take to heaven with us instead of the alternative. Is your Christianity just a Sunday only thing? Is that when you think about God? No, even when Jesus Himself was down here and He was in His ministry and He would begin to preach, He would preach to the multitudes and the people would fill the hillsides and there would be thousands, men, women, and children. He would preach to the multitudes and they would come here and preach. But then when He 
was resurrected and he told them to go wait for him in the upper room in Jerusalem, you know, till they be endued with power from on high. There was only 120 that met there. After all those multitudes of people that came to hear him preach, when the rubber met the road, there was only 120 that had the faith to actually do what Jesus said. There was only 120 that met and was filled with power and changed the world. Just like I said, you may have to invite 100 people to church before one comes. Are you just part of the multitude? You know who I believe those 120 people were? It wasn't just the ones who came and sat on the hillside as long as he was feeding them bread and fish. I believe it was the ones that left all. Left their boats and their nets and their tax collector stands. They said, Jesus, we're going to follow you. And they left everything and they walked with him daily. On a daily basis. One step at a time. I could just see, I mean, knowing what we know, we all say, yeah, I would have walked with Jesus. I can just picture Jesus walking in his white robe and me just watching, watching every step he takes. But he's just as real in our hearts. He said, blessed are those who have not seen but believe. And that's us. We don't get to see him. But we love Him. And we can see Him in our spiritual eyes, in our spiritual realm, in in our heart of hearts. We can hear His voice in that small, gentle whisper. The The world can't hear Him, but we can. We've been given the Spirit. Even though we see it into that world darkly, you know, we can't get the full picture yet. By faith, we walk. And not by sight. Not by our natural eyes. That's where that's where the multitudes walk by their natural eyes. I would say this: the percentages are probably the same in this church, any church. There's those who come and they listen to the preaching and they go and they come back maybe next Sunday if if they got good sleep on Saturday night. But there's those who say, "I'm going deeper." Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple if you don't take up your cross and follow me. Every day. That's an everyday thing. That means on Wednesday. That means on Thursdays. On Fridays. When all your friends is going to the club on Saturdays. Jesus just wants to be with you. Is that a bad thing? Jesus told his disciples, guys, I'm going to prepare a place for you. We see these movies and Jesus is always this sad guy carrying a little lamb around or something. But I can picture the Jesus that I know is like, guys, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you so y'all can be with me. Because I want y'all to be where I am. You know, it's Mississippi Jesus. Y'all guys, I want y'all to be with me. And y'all can be where I am. I'm going to go prepare this awesome place for you. And he's up there preparing a place. And then in his spare time, you know, he, he's, uh, no, I'm just kidding. He don't have any spare time. 
He's ever living to make intercession for us. While he's building, he's making intercession. Jesus, uh, Father, I got them. They're, They're under the blood. I died for them. You know, when the devil's accusing you. He wants to be with you. He let them hear his prayer to the Father in John chapter 17. He said, I want those whom you've given me to be with me where I am. That they can see the glory you gave me before the world began. I want them to be able to see. I want them to be with me, Father. That just just blows our mind that Jesus wants to be with us so bad. The last thing he said before he go, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even till the end of this age. Whatever this age is, I'm going to send my spirit so that I can be with you. I'm never going to leave you. We're always going to be together. You know, a couple uh, sermons ago, you know, a couple months ago, we preached a lot on Nehemiah and how he went and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been ransacked and the temple burnt down and the walls destroyed. And there were several things going on at the same time. And there were several prophets in the Bible prophesying about this same time period. Well, Nehemiah was the guy charged to come back and rebuild the walls. And we talked about how he rebuilt the walls in 52 days. Well, there was also a guy named Ezra. He was a priest. And he was sent to, to help rebuild the temple and to restore the worship in Jerusalem. In Ezra, chapter 3, verse 12, they have just laid the foundation of the temple, this new temple. You know, the previous temple was under Solomon, and Solomon had, he was the richest king of all, and, and they brought, you know, everybody was serving the Lord back then, and now here they are, a lot of people have fallen away, and, and uh, they stopped serving the Lord, and God took his hands off of, blessing off of them, and, and the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, but they're trying to rebuild, right? And so they've b- rebuilt the walls, and now they're rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And it says in verse 12, but many of the older priests and the Levites and the other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. They said, oh my goodness. That's going to be our new temple, that little thing. That's embarrassing. Don't you remember the temple we had under Solomon? The gold and and the... and this ain't even the same size. This, And it says, the others, however, were shouting for joy. The people who hadn't seen the previous temple. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard from a far distance. You can imagine, you're thinking to yourself, are those people happy or are they sad? Half of them are crying, half of them are joyful. Half of them are saying things ain't like they used to be. We used to jump and run. We used to do this. We used to, I mean, we had everything. We had a, We had this big building. We had all this. This little thing we're doing now, this don't count for nothing. But the people who hadn't been there in the old days, the new people, maybe just born again kind of people, they were excited about what they were building. They were, look, we got a foundation. Look, we're doing something. They were happy about it. And Haggai was a prophet prophesying about this same event, the same time period. In Haggai chapter 2, verses 3, 
God says to the prophet Haggai, he says, does anyone remember this house, this temple? He's talking about this, you know, the old temple of Solomon. In its former splendor, how in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people left in the land. And now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised you when we came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, just a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought into this temple. And I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I don't care what it looks like to you now. I'm doing something new. I don't care where you've been. If you cared so much about the previous temple, why'd you stop worshiping at it and cause it to be destroyed? But we're doing a new thing. I will fill this place with the glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than the past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Stop looking in the past. Don't despise small beginnings. It is what it is, but it won't stay like this. If we'll be faithful and we'll put our, our hearts together and we'll come together in unity and we'll all put our hand to the plow, we'll all give unselfishly, we'll hook up and we'll see the vision and we'll run with it. And God says, I will make this, this, this latter house greater than the former house. God is always doing something new. He says, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. And there's an exclamation point at the end of it. So yes, God does speak loud sometimes. And He's speaking loud to us. Awake out of your slumber. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't be a, a, a multitude on the side of the hill, Sunday-only kind of Christian. Let's get in this thing. Let's get our hands dirty, and let's make it happen. Let's go whole hog for this new temple that Jesus is building. Jesus is in the now. Miss Brenda, she heard that voice. Put some vanilla in the pancakes. That don't make no sense. She, if you've never heard of vanilla in the pancakes, that, that's weird. Put some vanilla in the pancakes. Okay, because you said it. She put some vanilla in the pancakes, mixed it up. Everybody came over. 
Everybody got their pancakes. Big Joe over here. He said, Miss Brenda, these pancakes is almost as good as mine. I never know nobody could cook some pancakes as good as this. I always put vanilla in my pancakes. That God wants to be in the littlest details of my everyday life may be the greatest gift that I've ever received. That He cares what my pancakes taste like. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.